The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'm burn out. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast. I am your host, Kenzie Elizabeth, and I am just in the best mood today. I went on my DoorDash app and I saw that I had so much credit. So I just ordered myself some breakfast and I'm just great. Feeling awesome post-workout, having just the best morning. I think we can all agree that when you start your morning off with a workout, Maybe I'm alone on this. I don't know. I just feel like 10 times better. And actually recently, I have become a little bit of a night workout person. Like I love adding that to my night routine. But if I don't have anything like scheduled early in the morning, I love to just get my workout out of the way, start my day off that way. I watch some videos to just kind of get through. I find that it makes my workout go faster, but I'm just feeling good. On this podcast, we talk about so many different things, but a big kind of overarching theme is definitely overall wellness. So today I'm really excited because we have Shannon of The Financial Gym, which is actually, I've used them before and I love them. I've talked about them before. It just really helps if you feel any anxiety around money, which I think we can all relate to. This morning, I'm actually have a meeting with my CPA and I'm like, oh my God, I just don't want to do this. But It's really important to stay on top of it and stay ahead and just be like knowledgeable. Honestly, this episode is really great. I love their approach. I'll get into talking about her soon, but I love their approach specifically in just the financial gym as a whole. And I would really, really recommend working with them. It doesn't break the bank. It's really helpful. They do not shame you literally at all. Um, I absolutely love them, but we will get into talking about Shannon soon. I'm just feeling really cozy. Like, yes, it's been a little bit warmer in Texas recently. Last week, it was like 40 degrees and I was thriving. This week, it's 70 and I'm just not thriving as much because I love the cold weather. I love gloomy weather. I don't know what happened to me. I mean, I've always been this way. So I just, I can't really quite tell you why. I honestly... <laughs> This is like so dark, but I'm like my parents got divorced in the summer, so like and like like when I was young, so maybe that's why I hate the heat. But I hated it even before then, so I don't know. Anyways, with that being said, I love the fall and winter time. I love it being like cold, where I can wear just like little like sweaters, and I have my hot coffee, and it's just cozy, you know. So I've just been in the best mood because I currently am wearing like a quarter zip, a little revolve set. I'm feeling so fall. I just love it, guys. I just am in a good mood, okay? Also, we do have a new president-elect. Exciting things are happening. Very, very excited. Um, What a weekend, too. When we found out, it was just so cool to see the country be so unified. I know a lot of people, obviously, it was a very close election, so not everyone feeling that way. But just the amount of joy and relief to see on so many people's faces was just like really encouraging for lack of a better word. I'm not like directly, directly in like the downtown area of the city. So I didn't actually like witness that, but it was just cool to see everywhere. And that's exciting. Our first female black VP, which is very, very exciting. So good moves, regardless of your political stances, that is a big step. So very exciting. TikTok is absolutely taking over my life. This isn't news, but I just cannot stop with TikTok, guys. Okay. Also, I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but if you see like the dog TikToks where it's like Siri talking over them, 
I used to be the person who, even though I love dogs and I've always had dogs and I love my dogs, whatever, I never loved seeing like videos of dogs. And so like, when people show me videos on their phones, for some reason, it just annoys me. I'm just a brat. I don't know what it is, but these videos, guys, nothing brings me more joy than seeing these dog TikToks. They're so funny. And then also Milo and Noah or Milo and Noah, I love his TikTok. It's this um, physical trainer. I want to see, he's a, no, he's a personal trainer. Sorry. This personal trainer and his dog, he got a golden doodle and he said that he got like a pumpkin spice looking, Pinterest looking dog, whatever. It's just so funny. And he loves this dog. And it's my favorite TikTok to watch. If you guys are ever feeling stressed or overwhelmed or just really down, which I think a lot of us are feeling during the election, it's definitely a good little distraction. I would definitely recommend this TikTok. Anyways, I've just been thriving in my cozy mood in my house. I put my tree up, which is so exciting. All of that's on Instagram and on my YouTube channel. I vlog the experience. There's also a tree up in my office now. It just feels so festive. I made my centerpiece last night. Like, guys, we're just loving this. Tis the season, okay? I am just loving the time that we are in. I love the holiday season. It's just the best. So this morning, I'm actually going to meet with my CPI at a wealth management office. Doesn't that sound like way more mature than it is? I guess it is mature. So this year for my gift guides, my infamous gift guides that I love sharing, fun fact about me, my love language is gifts. Well, no, my love language in giving is giving gifts, not receiving gifts. I just love it. I think about it all year. I already always have everyone's gifts planned out. It's my favorite thing to do. I love shopping for other people and I go really overboard on my gift guides. This year, they're going to be on my like to know profile. So just go. It's just Kenzie Elizabeth. It's an app. If you guys don't have it, you need to download it. I'm on there all the time. It's so fun. But basically, if you want to shop anything on my Instagram, it's all there as well. But I'm sharing all of my gift guides and I actually just sent in all of my gift guides to my graphic designer this week. So those will be up shortly. And if you guys need any help or inspo in the holiday season, I know it might be a little early for you guys. My family is celebrating Christmas early this year. So I actually really only have like a month to get all this done. I'll also be sharing like Black Friday deals and things like that, as well as like all my Christmas decor. But I just wanted to give a little shout out because I know I've talked about it on here and wasn't sure where I was going to put them. A little bit of housekeeping. If you guys like this podcast, be sure to text it to a friend. Leave a nice review. I have been loving when you guys have been sending nice reviews lately. You guys are just too kind. Also, if you haven't already joined our newsletter, all you have to do is enter your email. I don't spam you. It's really fun. It's a once a week email where I share my favorite reads, listens, podcasts, follows, all of that stuff. You guys will love the newsletter if you like the podcast or anything that I put out there. All right, guys. So today we are talking to Shannon. She is the founder of The Financial Gym. So after years of working for a big bank, including working as a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch, she was inspired to create a financial service company that actually cared for its clients and provided them services they needed. Most financial service companies only care about you for as far as they can sell you products like investments, banking accounts, credit cards, loans, and insurance policies. They also want to give you technology and apps to solve your financial problems. However, something they know at the financial gym is that money is personal and people aren't algorithms. So without further ado, let's welcome Shannon onto the show. I'm so excited, guys. Right now I have, you can't see, but we are on Zoom and I have a fireplace playing on my TV screen. So it just feels cozy, like fall, winter. We're really into that. But I wanted to start off this episode by asking you my favorite hot seat question. So best purchase you've made under $100 in the past six months. I purchased a bottle of champagne. 
I always feel like you should, I've always feel like you should have champagne in the house. Like that's just one of my rules of thumb because like, you never know if people come over, I feel like it's so celebratory and it just feels good to have it in there. And so I had this, I bought it at the beginning of COVID and I was like, there's going to be something special that's going to happen. And I want to open it, you know, and it, it, it was a bottle of Vouv, which is like near me is like $49. So it wasn't like that expensive. I could have bought two of them, but I just had a really difficult board meeting that happened last week and we did really well. The team did really well and it was, it went over really well. And I was like, I'm going to drink that champagne now. And it tasted like a million dollars. Good rule of thumb. It's important to have champagne on hand. You should always have a bottle of bubbles in the fridge, whether it's for you or guests or whatever. It's just, it's my rule of thumb to always have. So this is like a little bit, I, I have, I'll buy anything from like $12 a bottle to like 50. So this was like a little bit higher end. And I was like, there'll be something special I want to have it for. And I did. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Also, I kind of, I'm really interested in, your journey of like growing up with money? Like what was your relationship with money? So my relationship with money is that we didn't have a lot of it when I was growing up. Grew up in a house. My parents were divorced. The house I grew up in, we had five kids. We all shared the bathroom together. You know, I shared a room with my sister for most of it. I started working at 14. And once I started working, I had to pay for everything. You know, my mom was like, if you want to go to the prom, you pay for it. And I worked through college and got a job at 22. And the thing that interesting thing that happened along the way is, and I see this, we see this with clients, people who don't grow up with a lot, when they start making it on their own, it's like you almost want to indulge in it because you're like fueling the child part of you that didn't have that. Then you have to combat that desire to like have the things you didn't have, but also build your wealth. Like you shouldn't, you know, you don't need to have all the things all the time. Currently struggling with this to this day, the, the American Girl doll just came out with an 80s doll and she's like my spirit animal. And I was like, is it weird for a 42 year old to purchase this? Because I never had an American Girl doll growing up. All right, guys, a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Rory. Personalized skincare sounds really fancy and expensive, but with Rory, you can have a brand new skincare routine crafted just for you without ever leaving the comfort of your couch. Sounds ideal, right? Rory is a digital health clinic just for women that can help treat all of your skincare concerns from breakouts to redness. I personally struggle with redness and I also personally don't want to leave my house. So I love Rory. Getting started is simple. Complete a free online consultation at hellorory.com slash I love you and you'll hear back from a US licensed healthcare professional within 24 hours. If appropriate, they'll prescribe a personalized skincare treatment plan that works just for you with free two-day shipping. Rory is there every step of the way. You also have access to your healthcare professional for questions or to just make changes to your treatment. There are no commitments and you can cancel at any time. Just go to hellorory.com slash I love you to try out your personalized treatment for just $5. That is hellorory.com slash I love you for a free consultation and $5 off your first order. Hellorory.com slash I love you to get your first order for $5. You got what I need. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Cott. And I'm Stephanie Sambari. And we are the hosts of That's So Retrograde. Heard of us? For the past 200 and some episodes, we've been trying to figure out what the hell wellness is. We have inspiring and fun conversations with all types of amazing people, from healers to comedians to whatever's in between. We're five years in, but we're just getting started. So hop on board every Thursday to join the party and route to living your best life. And don't forget your cannabis. Or to check us out on Instagram at So Retrograde. That's right. Bye. See you there.
first off, buy it. Um, that is worth it. I always joke that, I mean, I don't know if this is as much of a joke as it is like the reality of my life, but Kit Kittredge was my dog growing up. My favorite thing in the entire world, American Girl actually had me bring in my niece like mm-hmm. this past year and we did the whole thing. And like, I was so, like I was way more into it than she was into it, you know? But I, to this day, test the best like in history on the thirties. And that's where she came from. So I am all for American girl, but I think you should buy it. I, I, yeah, I think that might be my Christmas gift to myself. (laughs) My first one. And I mean, I just always wanted one. I didn't have an affinity to any of the girls in particular. It was just, I wanted one and it never happened. But, and then I said, when I have a, if I have a daughter, I want to take her to the store in New York and I have a son. So that never happened. So, so yeah, I just have to buy her for myself. Worked really hard. That was the one thing that I learned a lot from my parents. I didn't learn about money, but I learned about hard work. So, and I tell people, if you're willing to hustle, then, you know, money won't really be a problem if you're willing to put in the work. So I graduated with a business degree 20 years ago. I told people I'm not changing the world. I just want to make money. And I worked on trading floors and investment banking for 13 years. But I hit 30 and had like a life-changing experience because I got life coached and he asked me what my purpose in life was. And I was like, I don't even know. I mean, I've been telling people to make money, but that didn't seem like enough. I read a book about happiness. That was one of my exercises. And the book was like 400 pages. And at the end, the whole message of the book was that to find long-term sustainable happiness is to help other people without expecting anything in return. So opening the door, not expecting a thank you, like just literally caring about other people more than yourself. And that was my first aha to the gym of like, this sounds like something I want to do. And then I ultimately ended up becoming a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch. And I thought, I'm going to help more women become financial advisors, or I'm going to help empower women with their money and and doing this. The one issue at Merrill is that you had to have 250,000 in assets to work with me. So you didn't even count as a client until you did that. But I took every meeting, everybody who asked to speak to a planner, I said, let's do it. And one of my first pro, I called them pro bono clients. One of my first pro bono clients when we met, it was like a movie. She was like, I have 250,000 of student loan debt and I make $50,000 a year. And I, and the biggest thing that, that hit me was she said, I just feel unlovable. Like who would want to marry me with all this debt? And I didn't know how to help her at Merrill, but I wanted to help her. And I did a plan for her. And then I started doing all these free plans for people and becoming the worst financial advisor ever because I loved my clients with no money versus my clients with money. It was just that it spoke to me. And then did that up until I got the one week of my life that became the true aha of the gym. And it started with a couple, they had over a million dollars invested with me. Their portfolio was down 3% because the markets were down and and they were just complaining about where their money was, like, how are the kids going to go to college? Like all these things. And I spent an hour of my life making them feel better about being a little less rich. And it was just really soul sucking. And then two days later, I did a plan with a woman very much like we do at the gym. Here's how much you need to save. Here's how you deal with the credit cards, student loans. And at the end of the meeting, she said, you know, you're saving my life, right? That was my aha. I said, you know what? I need to create a business for people like this, which is the majority of Americans. At the same time, I was on a weight loss journey and I lost over 50 pounds. And I remember thinking like when I wanted to get physically healthy, I have so many places to go to get physically healthy. But if people want to get financially healthy, where would they go? Where can I send these pro bono clients to that's going to treat them with the love and care and support no matter what's in their bank account? And I thought, if you want to get financially healthy, you go to a financial gym. And I was like, it's like, I saw it all very clearly. I was like, the trainer, the advisors are trainers. They wear jeans and t-shirts. People pay a monthly membership fee. 
And that was seven years ago. I knew nothing about starting a business. I had no desire to until that point. Seven years later, we now have four gym locations, two in New York, one in DC, one in LA. We work with clients across the country. We've worked with tens of thousands of clients at this point. And our clients' ages range from 17 to 74 and all financial shapes and sizes in between. I love that it makes it accessible because the number one thing I hear whenever I have anyone with any sort of financial background on this podcast, I get so many questions from people because at the end of the day, I think for the most part, people just don't have the knowledge, especially in their 20s. They just don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They're like, am I supposed to be investing? Am I supposed to be? And then for me, on top of that, it's like, I have been self-employed since I was 16. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, I really didn't know what I was doing. And like, I've always listened to my dad because I'm really lucky in the sense that I have one parent, I have a father who like kind of understands it a lot more than I do. Like I don't get it. And so there were certain things that he was always like, you need to put X amount into a folder for taxes. You need to do this. You need to do this. And so that was helpful. Without that, I probably would have been in big trouble because I just, you just don't know. Like it's such a weird thing. You can Google and there's so many different opinions and it's, it's almost like when people are talking about actual diets, it's like, oh, veganism is it? Or, you know, and I think it's like, you know, different things work for different people. This is the question that I have because I don't actually know the answer to this one like at all. So a financial advisor, they work on like a percentage, right? So they're going to do things that benefit them. But then with the gym, there's like a membership fee instead. Like what are the two differences? Yeah. So there's different models. There are financial advisors or planners who will be there, what call, what you call fee-based. And so you pay a fee uh, or there's fee-based. So you pay a fee which is kind of like what we do. And then there's some that are asset-based, which means you pay a percentage of the money that they have. For me, at the end of the day, I always say there's, you know, there's plenty of advisors out there, planners, and you really want to find the person who understands you and maybe sees other people like you and can help guide you on your journey. And so, you know, what we've revolutionized, I guess, in the planning, another issue I saw as a problem in the financial planning industry was that it was so focused on investing so focused on the investment side of it, but not enough focus on the total wellness, uh, you know, financial wellness of understanding all the pieces that make up your financial health, which are, you know, budgeting and saving and debt management, whether it's, you know, mortgages or student loans and life insurance and all different areas. And that's what we focus on is like a holistic view of our clients and totally agree with you on, on the, you know, the diet type things too. I say the same thing all the time. It's the same thing with financial health that you can read stuff and some people it resonates for them. Some people it doesn't. Like if you told me that keto was the only way I could lose weight, I would never do it because I love bread and wine way too much to make that like a lifestyle choice. But I like I use Weight Watchers because I can, you know, do a combination of the two. That's the same thing with money. There's different plans for different people and you want to find the approach that you're going to embrace and want to use all the time, just like with a lifestyle or diet choice. Also, like if you don't like what you're doing, not that I mean, I personally like saving. I like certain things like that. But if you don't like what you're doing and you don't like your plan and almost make it something that's exciting, I feel like it's a lot harder to stick with. In the same way with a diet, it's like, oh, same thing. I would never want to go keto. And so Mm -hmm. it would be really difficult to stick with it. Another thing with sticking with financial goals is one, I feel like for the most part, people that I, from the questions I was receiving, they didn't know what goals to make, but more than that, they didn't know even how to create a budget. Like, what would you say to those people who are looking 
but they have basically no set plan. So they have no way of achieving any any sort of goal because they don't know what they're where they're headed. I get asked a lot different financial choices. Should I be contributing more to my retirement? Should I do this? this these one-off questions. And I always say, I don't know unless I do a plan for you and I understand like where you want to head in life, then I can't give you these one-off directions. And that's the biggest thing I encourage people to do is, is sit down and think about what where do you want to go? What is the life plan for you? Because that's going to inform all these other choices you make. And going to budgets though, what's interesting is budgets are like diets. No one wants to be on one. Like It's really hard to have like a true budget. And we've rarely seen that work. But what we do at the gym is we we do budgeting, but it's kind of a sneaky way of budgeting. We call it goals-based budgeting. So we find out all the things you want to do in life. So do you want to buy a car? Do you want to get married? Do you want to have a fur baby, tattoos, whatever these goals that are that could cost money, we want to identify the goals and put a cost to the goals. And then it's just you know doing math to see how do we get there. And the biggest thing I want to say to people, anybody who's listening to this too, is you, if you don't have goals, and we see this a lot with people, they're like, well, I don't know what I'm capable of. I feel like I'm living paycheck to paycheck or you know, I don't know if I could buy a house. I don't know if I can do this or that. And what we always encourage our clients to do is take a step back and think about if money wasn't a factor, what would you want to do in life? So do you want to travel more? Do you want to own a home? Like, Do you really want these things? And then let's put a number to it. And then we start working on this different plan to get there. Because it's just like... You know, it just, we use a lot of uh, fitness analogies, but it's like deciding you want to run a marathon, right? And maybe you've never run before. You're not going to run 20 plus miles the next day, right? You're going to do some training. You're going to run a, a 5K. You're going to like work up to it. You're going to take breaks and and have break days. And you know, there's a whole plan to do it. It's the same thing with money. So set the big goal, that 20 plus mile goal, and then we're going to break it down to how we get there. That's the biggest thing we do for our clients at the gym, and we want them to dream big. We want them to have these big goals because it's sometimes just moving some of the pieces around. Like maybe you need to make more money. Well, you have skill sets that you can get a job that you can make more, you know, or it's maybe you kick on a side hustle or maybe it's expense management. There's a number of steps that that will take to get you to that goal. But the biggest thing is knowing what you want to do in life. And I don't think we have enough people identifying that because they're in their heads about their money or they feel like their current money situation will prevent them from getting there. And the biggest thing I always tell people is everything you do financially is fixable. It doesn't matter where you're starting. Everybody can get to that goal. You have to believe you can and then start making the goals to get there. For me, money was something that gave me so much anxiety or like more so managing money because I went into such a weird career at a young age. And so the way, like for example, if you're listening to this, and like a lot of the time you get a paycheck and your taxes are taken out of it. Like I've, I mean, I worked when I was 14 to 16 for someone else. So like that had, I have had that, that when that stopped happening and I was making money and also very inconsistently of like some months were like really, really, really high and some months were not. And that mm-hmm. was a very, for some reason, even though it wasn't like I was living paycheck to paycheck, it was just it gave me so much anxiety and I'm like, I need to do this and I need to have some sort of plan because if not, I'm going to, I keep making, I'm making more money, but like, where is it going? And I have no idea where I'm even spending this money. So that budget really helped me specifically like the way you guys did it because I'm such a like goal oriented person. A budget could not sound less appealing to me, but when it is like, oh, you know what? I want X amount in savings. I want X amount here. I want to start saving for a new car or I want to start saving for my second house or something like that. That really helped me. Whereas before 
it was just like, I had so much anxiety. I want to circle back though, to something that you said when you were talking about not growing up with a lot of money. And then when you started making money, part of it, it's like, oh, you want to build wealth. But the other part is you want to indulge in things that you didn't have as a child. Like how, how did you kind of almost grow from that and figure out how to deal with that? Because it's almost like, it's like a scarcity and abundance mindset. I never thought I had money problems like in my twenties and thirties, because I always knew I could make more money. I would, cause I worked really hard. I had a type of job that I always knew I could make more money. So that was what I would say. And I would build up, you know, and I tell people I don't have a credit card problem because I paid off my balances every month, but my balances probably shouldn't have been that high. You know, I would, and, and we see life, it's called lifestyle inflation. We see it all the time. It's like, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I could pay off my credit cards or I'll get a bonus in February. That'll pay off the credit cards. But it's like, well, what if I didn't have the credit card balances? Then I wouldn't have to pay down the card. I could have just put that more of that money in savings. And it wasn't until I decided to start the gym seven years ago. So I'm now, you know, 35 and I, wanted to start the gym and I left this high paying job to do it. And then I was making nothing essentially and going through my life savings. And I had to make a lot of different choices financially to make the the new job work for me. And it was in that process where I was like, you realize that the things aren't really that important at the end of the day. I mean, I look back at so many of my expenses and I'm like, why did I need hardwood floors in that new home? Like it didn't need that, you know, but I, that I just, I had to do it. I could do I could do it because I paid for it. You start to realize that, you know, what is important to you. And we ask that of our clients a lot. I think this is really important for people. Goal setting is number one. And then the next thing to ask yourself is what's really important to you? What do you need in your life to survive and thrive? And we call it your non-negotiables or your sacred cows. What is it that you need in your life. And I always say you can't have a herd of cows. You know, you can have like one or two areas that are just really important to you. And some clients will say health and wellness or travel or fur babies. And for me, I realized how many things weren't important, you know, when I had to adjust my uh, salary. For me, it's my cleaning lady was like one of the most important things. Marlene's been with me for 14 years. I love her. Dining out, like experiences um, and travel. And and so once you adjust to that and you save your money for those things, then it's it's kind of easy to budget or, or spend less because now when you're spending your money, you're not just mindlessly spending it on anything because it's easy to spend money with apps and credit cards. It's very easy. But when you become more mindful of how you're spending your money, um, it actually gave up a lot of things in the process. And I don't feel like I lost anything. Another thing too that I that you shared of someone else saying how she had $250,000 in student loan debt. And then I believe, and then $50,000 salary. It really does. I think finances are really, can be really tied into anxiety or even at that point, like some sort of Mm self-worth because it's this almost this like nagging feeling where it's kind of like, it still is like always in the back of your mind. How have you been able to see people maybe not let that become like their self-worth or how have they been able to maybe like get out of this debt or reevaluate to where it's not something where they feel unlovable? The biggest lesson I've learned in the last seven years of working with people on an intimate level about their finances is that money is very emotional. And the two emotions people feel most of the time are fear and shame. You know, I'm afraid I can't pay my student loans back or pay my rent, or I'm ashamed that I have credit card debt, or I'm not saving enough or... I'm ashamed I don't understand my money. And 
those are two highly charged emotions. And so the biggest thing we want people to understand is to help drop the fear and shame. The reason why we have so much fear and shame around money is that money still the ultimate taboo topic. I always say we're more comfortable getting physically naked with somebody than financially naked. So we're not all we're not all out there wearing our digits. Like you could see us physically, we're wearing our physical health out there, but we're not wearing our financial health out there. So people don't know what looks good or is this much debt bad or is this and and we just tend to go to the worst place in our minds that we think it's this bad. And the reality is, is they're just numbers. They don't define us that you're, how much student loan debt you have or how much you have in your bank account doesn't define you at all because they're not permanent numbers. Everything is temporary with your finances. So then how we want you to get empowered is to know your current state is not your permanent state. It is not where you're going to end up. So redefine your relationship with your money and you decide what you want it to look like and what's going to empower you and motivate you and move you. And and that's how we kind of turn it on itself is like taking away that power that the, the numbers give that have on us when we just realize they're just numbers. We we have our gym locations. We used to do this event when we were open, you know, with people coming in and we called it money mindfulness. And because we know people are feeling fear and anxious. And so we start with a money meditation and then we break, everybody gets a wristband, a different color wristband, and they don't know what it's for. So we do the meditation. Then we say, okay, everybody with the pink wristbands, you're going to all share what, how much you make. And you start seeing people's faces like freak out. They're like, what? Like I didn't. And like people with the green ones, you're going to share what's in your bank account. And people with the yellow ones, you're going to share how much debt you have. And, you know, then this group is going to share, you know, whatever the other thing is and your credit scores. People start freaking out. Like all, they're like, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> Nobody told me we're going to do this. And we're like, and we, and then I give, I go through, I'm like, here's so much to make. I make $100,000 a year as a CEO of Financial Gym. I was like, my credit score is 780, but it was 720 because I had credit card debt from starting the gym. I, you know, all these things I'm like, and, and then by the way, too, I also weigh 175 pounds. Like, so here we go. These are all just numbers. Like that doesn't mean anything. And then they, and so then we break them up and we have like guided conversation. And what I love seeing so much happen is everybody starts revealing everything. You know, they're like, oh, I didn't realize like, you had that too. Like it, it normalizes the conversation. So what started out as something so anxiety ridden becomes like so much less powerful when you just share it and you realize most people look alike financially or are in similar boats and you're not alone. It's it's really powerful. So you know, taking away the power those numbers have in a negative way and turning it around is a big thing that big exercise process we're working with our clients on. There's a quote that's a cliche. that's like, you're only as sick as your secrets. And the idea behind that is like, if you keep something inside, like once you bring it to light, it doesn't hold power over you. But also at the same time, you are able to connect with people. It's really easy to isolate yourself and think you're the only person dealing with this problem. But then when you're able to relate with other people who are dealing with it, you're able to kind of move on from the problem. I want to talk a little bit about getting like financially naked in relationships, like at what point, and I know this is probably different for everyone, but at what point do you think it's important to start just kind of getting financially naked with your partner, whether it's boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, whatever that might be? I always say the sooner, the better. We've seen couples married 10 years who come to us for the first time and they don't know what's in each other's bank accounts or what's happening on the other side. And 
And you see the division in their relationship. And then once we start kind of bringing everything together, they actually connect better on, you know, they're connecting better and they have a healthier relationship the more that's out there. And so I always tell people, you know, the sooner the better. If you have somebody who doesn't want to talk about finances, with you, like maybe your first or second date, you're not like, hey, how much do you make? I think it's an early and good sign for somebody who wants to talk finances with you um, in some level early on because especially if you're going to get into a more serious relationship and your finances will be impacted by this person. You want to know that you can have healthy conversations around it, just like you'd want to know you could have healthy conversations around politics or friends. You know, you want to have open and, and comfortable communication, especially where money's concerned. So for me, it's kind of a red flag for somebody who doesn't want to share that, right? Because like you don't care, you know, you, you just want to know it, it should just be like any other thing. And if they're going to make it more of an issue, then I feel like that's a red flag. I think the sooner the better. We, we see it with our clients, the more open they are, it, they're more connected on an, another level too. You know, it's and I think some people are, are afraid or ashamed because maybe they have student loan debt or they have credit card debt and and they don't want to tell the other person. But at some point, if you're again, if you're getting serious with the person, they're going to see it. You know, it's going to come out and and now you're giving this person the opportunity to give you compassion and grace and empathy and and show who they truly are and not judge you or shame you by what you look like. And that's I, I you'd want to define like see that side of somebody earlier on. We had one of our clients, she recorded a podcast with me a while back. She, one of the things that we advised her to do was to file for bankruptcy. And bankruptcy is not a bad thing. Sometimes you get into credit card problems. And and I view bank, bankruptcy, I always tell the team, it's kind of like lap band surgery, right? Like we're going to take off the weight and and live a healthier lifestyle afterwards so that you know, you were just hitting a reset button. Now, if you do lap band surgery and then you start going back into bad habits, that's like the problem. But but it can be a really positive new change. And so she started. She was uh, living with her boyfriend at the time, and she had to tell her parents. And she she had to tell the parents because she had a loan to. They had a loan to her, and she was going to have to disclose that in her filings. And then it was going to be public information. So she's going to have to tell the boyfriend. So she told the, she went to tell the boyfriend and she was like, I decided to tell them when we were on this boat and, you know, in the, in the, the river, because like, I thought he can't throw me overboard. Like if he gets so angry and I was like, first of all, like, why would you want to live with a guy you think is going to throw, like hurt you? Like, because of your financial situation, she, so she goes to tell him she's hyperventilating, right? She's like, can't breathe. She's crying hysterically because she's about to say it's him. And she's like, tells him and he's like, that's it? He's like, I thought you had like cancer or something. I thought you were dying. Like, he's like, that it's not a big deal. She's like, but, but, you know, I won't be able to buy a house with you, you know, because of her credit score was going to be impacted. And he's like, I can buy the house. Like, you know, we can work this out. This is not a big deal. I thought you were, you know, upset. And then they ended up getting engaged. They're now about to be married. And it was just like, I said, you, you were giving, you, you hiding that were, and she also had a similar action from her parents. They also thought like she was about to die. And they were like, you're healthy, you're alive. Like, this is not a big deal. We hate that you've been carrying this around, feeling this kind of level of anxiety. And so my thing is like, share it all. Like, it's just like personally stuff, like the the skeletons in your closet in another relationship, like get it all out there and then see how the person across the table from you is going to receive that information. And if it's with compassion and grace and love and empathy, then that's the kind of person you want to spend the rest of your life with anyway. And now you see it early on. And how often do we do that just with any conversation? We go into it and we completely play it out in our own minds. And we're like, well, they're going to say this and I'm going to say this and it's going to be worst case scenario. And then you actually talk about it 
And it was really never that big of a deal to them to begin with. So right. you've been living with this like self-induced anxiety that has been like taking so much joy from you for weeks, you know? Yeah. What do you think are some of the biggest money misconceptions? The biggest one we hear all the time at the gym is I'm not good with my money. And I know I should be, I'm not good with money. And that storyline I hate because first of all, why should you be good with your money? Why should you know? Like we were talking about it's we didn't learn about it in school growing up. Most of us didn't hear about it from our parents. You know, if we did, we mostly have like a, a bad storyline. Like, oh, I remember my parents fighting over money. I remember my mom crying at the kitchen table. There's some kind of negative childhood story about money. And then so we don't learn at schools, probably weren't talking about it at homes, not learning about it on the job. And so why should we know about it? Why should we be good about it? It's personal finance is a language, just like, you know, Greek or or Mandarin. It is a language and just like learning a language, it's a skill. You have to read about it. You have to talk about it. You have to learn about it. And you shouldn't feel shamed that you don't know about it, but you got to let that go and realize that you, the next step to take is how do I learn about it? Because um, it does impact your life and the financial choices you make do have an impact and will impact you in some way, shape, or form. But then I tell people, find the education system that works for you because most people will then think about books. Books around personal finance are very difficult to read. Okay, It's like a lot of jargon and it just is. I was asked years ago to write a book about investing. I didn't even want to write the book because I was like, just to, to even tell somebody how to find the thing, you had to use the jargon because there's not a new language around the jargon. And I was like, I don't even want to write that book. So books are really hard to, but one of my favorite books that I tell people to read is The Year of Less by Kate Flanders. And I call it like the eat, pray, love of personal finance. It's just a different way to connect with finance. She, she did a one-year spending ban and it was about all the things she learned along the way. And um, so I'll suggest like a different type of personal finance books to get into that. The other thing I tell people podcasts, like there are so many podcasts out there and it's just like learning a language. Sometimes it's easier for us to hear it than to read it. So I encourage that. There's also, you know, YouTube channels, the financial diets one that, you know, if you want to see it, find the way that you can learn the language that's the most accessible to you because you will have to learn about it at some point. It's a reality. You might be bad with money, but don't, and I don't like that you're bad with money too. That's, that's just shaming yourself right out of the, the shoot. It's like, I'm bad with, nobody's bad with money. You just don't know these things. So it's just education. What are some specific podcasts that you would recommend? I mean, I have a podcast called Martinis and Your Money, Living a Better Life, One Cocktail at a Time. <laughs> I I think there's Her Money, there's Be Wealthy and Smart for investing. That's Linda Linda P. Jones is uh, a woman. She does a great job there. There's so many. If you just like search like best personal finance podcast, there's there's a number and you can find the one. I, I, Stacking Benjamins is another one. I know Joe really well. Find the one that's best for you. And you can always see the topics. And I like to drink and talk about money and make it fun. I've heard two people go on like money dates with themselves, but they actually like make it an enjoyable experience. And I'm like, see, I would be way more inclined if I did something like that. You know, and I'm such a planner anyway. So I think you have so many great points when it's like, you have to make sure one for education, it's consuming in a way that works for you. Like I'm a really big reader. I'm at book like 80 of 2020, but reading a financial book just does not appeal to me unless I think the one that you mentioned would actually be a lot more interesting. But it's like, I am also a really big podcast listener and I listen to podcasts mainly for it would be like probably 80, 20 education than entertainment. So then it's like, oh, I could do a podcast, things like that. I think just making it 
less of a negative experience in the way that you don't want to be a part. I think that's something that I've really loved with my experience with the financial gym is that I had it in my head that I was going to have these meetings and that obviously I don't feel like I'm perfect and I don't know that much and like all this stuff. And for some reason I had it in my mind that I would be shamed of some sort maybe, or which is like laughable now because it's completely the opposite. And that's not what happens. Even when I don't meet every single goal or I mess up or I'm like, oh, I actually want to buy rooftop furniture that has way overspent, like things like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not shamed for it, which I think has really held it. I know it's held myself back, but I think it's held so many other people back in just their financial health journey. And I also just want to say how much as someone, I actually have like anxiety disorder. It has helped me mental health wise so much because it's like, I a lot of anxiety is just, it's kind of stemmed from the unknown. So when you have plans in place, regardless of how well you're doing or whatever that might be, like hopefully you're doing as good as you possibly can. Obviously 2020 is such a hard year. It's so situational for everyone, but that has really helped just like my mental health journey as well, because I'm like, okay, I have a plan. I'm not shamed for it. I know where I'm kind of heading. And if you get off plan, you can get back on plan. It's not a big deal. No one's, you know, no one's, no one's hurt in the process. It's, it is, we have a lot of people who are scared to join at first because you will have to get financially naked with a trainer the first session. And we have people feeling like we'll reschedule the first meetings or not want to join. And, and we always say, we're like, literally we've seen it all. So like, it's not a big deal. Trainers, my trainers are literally trained to make you feel really comfortable because we understand, we call it the financially naked episode because we know how you are feeling. Like we know that you're essentially stripping naked in front of us and we're fully clothed. And so we want you to feel really comfortable in that process, but you should anyway, if you're doing with another person or sharing it. And and my answer to all that is like, if you can't share these things with whether it's an advisor, trainer, uh, your significant other, then that's, and feel comfortable there, then that's a sign that that's not the right place for you. Again, they're just digits. I mean, it's just numbers. It's not, it doesn't have any kind of definition on who you are as a person. How you spend has no definition on who you are as a person, but yet we give it so much power over us and it really doesn't define us at all. You guys are just so good about making people feel comfortable. And like, then once you do it, you realize it's actually not that scary. It's like the exercise. I haven't actually gone through the exercise in an event or with the different colors, um, like wristbands, I think they were. It's just, it's really not as scary as you think it's going to be, regardless of where you are financially. Like I've talked about this with friends and I, I was like a little bit lucky in the sense of growing up. I had a lot of friends who were doing the same thing as me. So we were pretty open financially just because we were negotiating deals that we didn't know what our channels are worth or I started on YouTube. So different social media things. So that was helpful in the sense of we were able to help each other out, but it also in a way made me less, I think I didn't really identify finances as much with like my identity because it was more on the table. So it helped being more open. And I see that now because I don't feel like I'm super tied to like how much money I make, but I really do think even though that was not really the intention with us talking about negotiating and deals and stuff, it just made me not, I mean, not that I'm sharing this with people who are not doing what I'm doing or whatever, like I'm not that open, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'm open with the people who are doing what I'm doing in the sense of like helping each other out, which in return has really helped me because I, it's kind of been out there. And I, I'm thinking now, like that is probably why I feel that way. But I want to end this episode with what are your best financial tip that has helped you personally? 
one of our exercises and it's something I do all the time. It's a, a no spend day. So where you literally come, it just like you could have regular exercises with physical exercises. I tell people schedule a number of no spend days in a week so so that you're not going to buy food out so you'll make your own breakfast lunch and dinner you know you're not going to go on amazon or whatever you're just you're going to commit to a few days a week of not spending and i had this idea came when i was meeting my sister it was like 5 years ago and i, was, I live outside of new york and i was meeting her in the city and i got on uh i got on the train and realized i left my wallet at home but i had my cell phone so I get off the train and I couldn't take a subway because I didn't have my subway card. And then I was walking and I passed Dunkin' Donuts. I wanted to get coffee, but I didn't have my credit card, so I couldn't. Then I passed the Sephora. I was like, oh, I need more mascara, but I didn't have my wallet, so I couldn't get it. And and it, as I was going, I realized I was adding up all the things and it was like hundred and something dollars like I saved by not having my wallet on me or just not like committing to not spending it. What I love about doing that is it frees up more money for other things and the things that you know bring you joy. So, And I do something similar with food. If I know I'm going to go out and drink a lot or have fun this weekend, then I'll eat more salads and chicken and stuff during the week to, to balance it out. So it just helps balance the times. Because then the, the thing is with money, there are times where you can control it, right? There are times when you can do those things like and be very healthy. There's going to be times when you can't control it because we're not robots and um, we are going to have a bad day. We are going to want to buy a thing or you know, just kind of have a, a off day. And so the more you can control then the more, you know, when you feel mentally and physically healthy enough to do it, then you have, you give yourself some grace and leeway on the times that you can't. How often do you do that? Honestly, I try to do every day, (laughs) you know, I mean, I buy groceries, but like, I, I, so now I'm at the point where it's like, do I, I, the other thing, kind of the next level of that is just being more mindful about your, your money and, and conscious of when you're spending it. That's another big problem we hear probably the second one at the gym. People say, I don't know where my money's going. Like, I know I make it, I don't know where it's going. And you know, when you start tracking and becoming mindful of how you're spending your money, then you're less likely to spend it because you're like, I kind of asked like the Marie Kondo process, like when you're about to spend money, it's like, is this going to bring me joy? Or you know, am I going to shame myself a week later for doing this? And if it's not going to bring you joy, then don't do it. Thank you so much for coming on today's episode. Where can they find you? Financialgym.com at the Financial Gym on Instagram. And the other thing is too, we have so many free resources and webinars and videos and education if people want to start getting financially healthier. And if they want to find me personally, it's at the Shannon McLay on Instagram and martinisandyourmoney.com for the podcast. I literally love that name so much. It's so good. (laughs) All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed sitting down and talking with Shannon. I really, really recommend using the financial gym. If any of you guys are interested, it's really awesome. I know you can get... I believe you get like a free consultation, but... I would definitely recommend it. It doesn't break the bank at all. It's definitely worth it. And I think finances are such a personal thing. And I think they're so tied to... I know they're so tied to anxiety, but I would definitely recommend. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you guys next week.